Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, our hosts are speaking with Javier Hase, the managing director of cannabis coverage for Benzinga and the founder of El Planteo, a Spanish language news site covering the cannabis industry. Through his vocal social media presence and dutiful reporting over the years, Javier has quickly risen to being one of the most influential reporters covering the cannabis space, speaking with top executives and cultural figures who are driving the future of the industry. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to the Green Rush's conversation with Javier Hase. Today, we're talking with Javier Haas, who is one of the voices in the cannabis industry that that you must be reading, you must be listening to. Um, he uh, is a reporter du jour for Benzinga, for, for a ton of other publications. If you're not reading him, you absolutely should. He's a friend of our podcast um, and a friend of our firm. So Javier, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. This is great. Uh, I've been looking forward to joining the Green Rush for a while. I know. I can't. Is this the first time we've had you on? Yeah. Uh, I've done like little bits here and there. Yeah. Like, at like trade shows and stuff. Yeah. Over the years or like, I think once in the office, like do people yeah. know that you're on 425th Avenue? I think that's the coolest <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Right. And I mean, we haven't been there in a while, but yeah, it was, and it was totally by accident. And uh, I, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the weed address. And, and it's know. funny because Lewis, when I, when I first brought it up with Lewis a couple of years ago, or maybe three or four years ago, uh, he said, uh, you know, we were here before getting into cannabis. I'm like, you're kidding. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I don't think that's true either. Um, I think because we've yeah, been we in cannabis in for like six or seven years and only at that address for like four yeah, yeah, I think I'm remembering was, wrong. I'm, I'm probably remembering wrong then. Yeah, I think it, like, uh, the, the, it was an accident, right? Yeah. Coincidence. yeah. Well, and it's also really convenient that it's the Girl Scout building. So, like, cookies everywhere, which is really helpful. <laughs> yeah, whenever you need them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are, are you talking about like actual Girl Scout cookies or yeah, the Girl Scout adult Girl version Girl Scout cookies, like burners? No, oh, legit, no, no, not not the adult Girl Scout cookies. That's dude. amazing, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Girl Scouts of America headquarters is also at 425th Avenue, which I'm sure was was, you know, kind of not meant to be another happy end. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. Most people don't know what 420 is, right? And and I, I had assumed people like on in 2020 people knew. And and we started this this Spanish uh website called elplanteo.com. And you know looking into the the um, the keywords we were ranking for one of the top queries was what is 420 and what is 420 on Tinder? Because apparently a lot of people on, on dating apps will go 420 as a wink, which I thought was like the most obvious, less unconspicuous wink ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of our top trafficked articles. What does 420 mean on Tinder? And I'm like, huh. 
Well, that's bizarre. That is bizarre. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. I don't know. I, I've been not in the dating world for a while, so I don't. I that. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I found that this from from Google. It's not like yeah. I you're ever wonder. You're not getting. Help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so before we get into it, I know we're, we're recording, it is June, um, 3rd, uh, 2020. Um, the world is in chaos. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, about some of it and then we can dive into, um, to, to more cannabis focused stuff, but Javier, how are you and where are you? I'm fine. Um, I'm in Argentina. I don't know if people, a lot of people don't know I am from Argentina. Um, this is where I live. Uh, I just traveled to the United States. You're here a lot. Yeah. I used to. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming up Historically. This year. Um, I got to be honest, it's been nice to be home for, for a few months in a row. I get and it. We get stuff done. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Things are fine here in, in, in the sense that, you know, we've been uh, under a mandatory quarantine for almost 90 days. So people understand they have to go out only for groceries or essential stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. We're not seeing people going on picnics, even if it's like if the weather is nice or something like that. Um, but like, you know, people are very aware of what's going on in, in, in the United States. Um it's a complex situation. It's, I'm torn, right? We were talking about this a little bit uh, earlier. Um, you know, police brutality down here is, is different in the sense that it's, it's biased by or informed by other biases, you know, not necessarily racial. Mm-hmm. Um, I've unfortunately been on the receiving end of it many, many times. So, you know, also I grew up in a place where police is, is a bad word. You know, calling yeah. 911 is a thing reserved for old rich people. Um, but I do understand that, that America is different in that sense, that it does honor its, its police forces. It does honor the military, right? For us, the military down in Latin America, again, like the worst thing ever. Like they were responsible for all the... Uh, you know, military coups and dictatorships in the last 40 years and and 100 years, to be honest. So, Mm -hmm. but I I did get to understand that this is different in America, right? And and that that they are doing uh, different things, you know, and and, and doing it for their country. Um, But I am torn as to to what the response has been here, right? It's, it's, I I feel there's a certain parallel with, with, how um, John Boehner uh, got um, appointed as an advisor for Acreage Holdings, a story you are very familiar with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, you know, I've always been of the thought that I'll take all the support I can get. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what we're fighting for, changing hearts and minds. We wanted people like John Boehner to get on board legalization because that's the only way we move forward with full support. Same here, right? With with this situation right now, you know, and 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 a big portion of of of, of America, a privileged portion of America, who was previously, you know, not very involved in the fight against racism and systemic police violence, getting on board. So I mean, we were in, in this in this point where it's, you know, I'm torn about this because on the one hand, I I, I 
really celebrate this moment of, of awakening for, for many people um, in, in America, suddenly, you know, coming aboard and, and supporting, you know, the fight against racism. But on the other hand, I'm like, why now? You know, where, where were these people last week? And why do they suddenly feel like they're not part of the problem? But right? it, it's like a weird sensation also of, of how proud a lot of people are now that they're supporting this. And it's like, you should maybe be a little bit ashamed of not having done anything last year or the year before that. Yeah. And clearly, way, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I cannot believe this. So trending topics today. And I just saw this as I was speaking. White Lives Matter trending on K-pop and White Out Wednesday. What is that about? Stop it. It's those uh, coordinated 4chan campaigns. They're, they're oh trying God. to do it in retaliation to the, the Black Lives Matter, which totally got overrun by uh, corporate interests just trying to show that they're involved. And it's just... <sighs> everybody well, I just got needs to that today as well. And I was like, you know what? I mean, if you want to get your company involved, it's okay, but chances are it's going to backfire. You know, like there's campaigns for Pride Month, you know, for cannabis companies and they backfire. Imagine trying to piggyback off a Black Lives Matter movement to get your company name out yeah. there. Eh. There are so few companies that are doing a good job. I mean, I think Ben & Jerry's is, is one of the standouts, um, you know, and they've they're a company that is putting their, their money where their mouth is, their privilege, um, to work. And, you know, it, it is so hard, um, for, for other companies who are, you know, have not been historically, you know, taken a position or, you know, we're, I feel like we're of a, of a moment now where, where companies either need to, I, I, again, I'm torn too. like either they respond, but like, do I really care what like, like Fabletics is doing or do I really like, I'm thinking of the, the companies that like, I, like I was getting these notifications for, for COVID too. Like, you know, the, do I care what the, the, the Hollabirds, the sneaker company I order from, you know, is like, you know, you, you get all of these notes from all of these, these companies that, you know, it, it seems like a, an interesting moment in time. If you're, if you're a brand, it's um, quite a dilemma, right? Because yeah. there seems to be no right answer for a company. Right. Um, I don't feel for them, but you know, there seems not, there doesn't seem to be a right answer for a company because if you don't say anything, you will get, you know, people will come at you because they will assume you don't care. But then if you do say something, right. It's like, really, this is very self-serving and you know, your whole, you know, like 80% of your, uh, C-suite is white and this and that. And it's like, okay, so all this is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough spot. Yeah. yeah. I saw a bunch sure. of that. I'm not uh, interested in hearing what they got to say, but I do understand they have to say something. <laughs> yeah. They have to say something, but the, the worst is when you see the companies that just totally miss the point And they're saying that they condemn racism in all forms or the all is capitalized or, or different uh. things like that. And it's just like, you're, you're missing the moment. You're, you're missing what this is all about. <laughs> and, and it's like, you can put out these really strong statements. Like, uh, for instance, I was reading about the ringer. They put out a statement saying like, you know, uh, that they were in support of, uh, um, ending systemic racism and all that. And it's like, they don't have any black editors covering the NBA or the NFL. And so it's just like, you know, how empty are these things that you're saying? Like you're trying to be part of it, but like put your money where your mouth is, is what's going to matter most. I think, in the long run. And 
potentially right now, you know, I think a lot of people are paying attention to what these brands are saying and they can, they can tell that they're hollow and they're going to remember that when, you know, hopefully this dies down. This, this is one of these things like that has suddenly like overnight become a, a pet peep for me, like since yesterday. And it's this thing about systemic racism and, and everyone goes like, it's systemic. Like they were not part of the system. Like they weren't the ones who created, you know, legitimize it. The ones who perpetuate it, the ones who, who abide by it, the ones who benefit from it. So it's suddenly like, it's systemic, you know, it's, it's not me. It's like, yeah, it's you. It's (laughs) definitely you. You are part of the system. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, unless you, you are on the, like you're getting the short end of the stick from the system, you're definitely responsible in part for this. And I am, I am too, right? In, in that sense. I, I mean, I, yeah. And, and it's sort of analogous to like when um, you need to sort of otherize it to make yourself feel better, you know? And, and I see this a lot with like Fox News. Um, and sorry if I'm offending any, anyone, but, you know, if they say like the mainstream media is missing this or the mainstream media, it's like, dude, you are, you guys are the largest cable news network right now um, in the world. And like, how do you, how do you get more mainstream? Right. Like you have this megaphone, um, you know, let's, let's, you're, you're no longer the victim here. Um, and so here's, here's a, a funny like tidbit as like, just because you bring it up. Um, so there's very few, uh, American channels or, you know, media brands recognized, uh, abroad, especially in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox is probably the best known, not because of of news. We don't get Fox news down here, but like the Simpsons to date is the most prevalent, for instance, cultural reference, you know, for, for people when making jokes Hmm. and everyone associates it to Fox. We have Fox channel and Fox HD and Fox, whatever we get Warner, Warner, like brothers or something or Mm -hmm. WBTV. Yeah. It's, it was always like, you know, the, the, the not so good channel. And then we get CNN, which, you know, some like very highly educated people watch. And that's about it for us. Right. So it's funny that, that they, they, they go mainstream media because there's nothing more mainstream than Fox. Right. No. Even, no. even if nowadays they adhere to a somewhat like, I don't know, like anti-system message, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, you, and you look at the, the, you know, the people who are on there, they're predominantly white, rich guys, you know, talking about elites. <laughs> so uh, it's, the, I don't know, the mental gymnastics, they, they, you know, they've, they've gone through and they've been really successful at it to your point that, you know, that's a brand, you know, even though it is on the, the, you know, Fox broadcasting side and production side, um, you know, Fox, you know, that channel really, you know, is pretty siloed from what Fox news is here, um, you know, which is different from Fox sports, but like that, no one knows that, you know, like the consumer doesn't know that. So the fact that, you know, a brand like that is, you know, is worldwide is it's, it's difficult. And I know we're, we're getting off the topic. We, we do get Fox sports by the way. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, okay, cool. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Javier, I want to get your, your perspective on just kind of how, you know, different uprisings, uh, going around in these, you know, largely liberal cities, um, we've seen, you know, 
looting happening. We've seen already with the COVID-19 pandemic that the, the weed industry was one of the ones that was able to flexible get around it. But, you know, now with the looting, a lot of these stores are out of it. How do you see, you know, these two major events kind of impacting the industry forward? I know you're not in the U.S. right now, but, you know, are, are, what kind yeah. of systemic changes do you think we could see? I mean, it's, it's like the, every other aspect of, of this uh, last week or every event that took place this last week, I'm torn about. Um, you know, of course, I'm abroad. Um, and of course, I'm a foreigner. So I need, um, you know, there's certain things I don't fully understand or know. Uh, I do welcome, you know, informed commentary. I, I, I tweeted about it yesterday, just asking people to share their opinions and views because I really cannot process it. Um, I did like the response of, 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 of cannabis uh, dispensary owners, especially black dispensary owners, not condemning the lootings. And, and, and down that line, I don't know if you saw, um, the, the Trevor business. Noah came out with a video explaining, you know, kind of breaking this down. And he made such a fair point, in my opinion, where it's like a lot of people who have been completely neglected by the social contract that, you know, tells us, it, you know, it, it, that is the same contract that tells us stealing is wrong, you know, and it, so it's, it's, it's a very complex issue. I really don't know what to think. And, and again, you know, it's, I feel for both sides. I really feel for both sides. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of small business owners who are suffering. Uh, but I also feel for, 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 you know, the people on the other side of, of this. And, and I'm not saying like, yeah, go loot because maybe not, you know. Yeah, it's dangerous. Don't do it. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. What, what's going on, you know, in, in society, in America, in the economy, and in diverse fears that leads to lootings because I've, I've, I've lived through lootings down here in Argentina and they happened during our worst financial crisis in the last 50 years. People don't go out and loot, you know, out of the blue, like, Oh, I'm in a looting mood today. Right? Like there's something really wrong going on that pushes people to put their freedom and lives at risk, you know, and health. To, and health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not to mention the health. And that's another right. thing that I was really torn about. At first, when these protests started, I was seeing all these videos in social media and not fully understanding what was going on. And all of my smart American friends posting videos of thousands of people together, like gathered a feet apart. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, now yeah. I kind of understand, like, it, it's, a, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful statement, right? But... Again, it's, it's one of these very conflicting situations where it's like, what puts more lives at risk right now? Right. Yeah. Definitely it's racism, but it's a closer call than it has ever been before. Yeah. When I've, when I've been following it, um, I, I'm sure you saw it. The, the owner of the Pure Oasis, the, the Black-owned dispensary that had just opened up in Massachusetts got completely... Yeah. I felt terrible for that guy. He had waited so long just to be able to open up his store and then uh, finally gets open on in early March. And then it's just, it's just completely destroyed. Um, and I, and I, I keep worrying about the people that 
um, legitimately use cannabis for their medical purposes that, you know, uh, we saw Chicago get overrun. We saw, we saw dispensaries in LA get overrun. It's like, if these people don't have access to these products, like that we got to be thinking big picture. And I think for the most part that these looters are not people that are, you know, actually protesting the police violence against Americans and and things like that. And then I I just hope that there's some way for these uh, dispensaries to innovate and, and figure it out and not just stay closed for too long. Here's something that I I do want to say in relation to this, and I've been explaining it, you know, discussing it a lot in Spanish language, um, you know, shows and podcasts and some Brazilian uh, TV shows. All of this pandemic definitely underlines the need for home growing. And I know the industry will not be happy with me saying this, but dude, come on. Like, if you could have your plants in your balcony or in your closet or whatever, a lot of people would be able to medicate even through tough times like these, which is not the case right now, especially in in jurisdictions where retail is not widespread. Uh, That's always been something that, that we've, you know, we've talked about that on, on this podcast before. And, and it doesn't make sense um, because there are, um, you know, you can do brew your own beer, you can do, um, you know, make your own wine or, you know, distill your own vodka, you know, and that, that doesn't put a dent in, in, in liquor sales, Um, you know, and, and like having, having that, be such a, a, a sticking point for these major MSOs is, is something that's always been baffling because that's never going to be their competition. You think someone growing 15 plants in their basement is really going to, they're really never going to go to your dispensary. Um, you know, it's just mind blowing. The arguments that, that I've heard are like, we don't know what people will put in their plants. It's like, I know what I'll put in my plants. Number one, number two, like people are not stupid. If they need cannabis to medicate, they won't be poisoning themselves. Right. And even still, like, we're not banning people from, I, I have like, um, what's, what's, um, I can't remember. I have basil, for instance, or mm-hmm. rosemary. In oh, my yeah. yeah. No one is telling me like, you're going to die from that. So it's banned, but not because we think it's wrong that you use rosemary just because you can't grow it right. It's like. Right. <laughs> it's a bad time to ever grow weed. It's easy. It's it's hard to grow great weed. It's easy as hell to grow regular weed. You just put it on the on, on you know, it just needs like light, you know, air and earth. <laughs> and then like you water it. I mean, I'll take your word for it. You're talking to a girl who kills cactuses, so yeah, I, I won't be growing anything anytime soon, but, but yeah. And, and I feel like, um, that it only perpetuates the black market, which is the real issue, which is the real competitor for, for, for these companies. They're not the, they're not the people who are, you know, growing for themselves for, for medical reasons or what it's just, it, it's, it's exhausting. There are so many bigger things to be fighting for. And this is not one of them. Oh yeah. No, I mean, all the people I know, uh, in, in Latin America who live in, in places where cannabis is not legal have steered away from cartel provided cannabis like buying from home growers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. It's definitely, you know, I would rather know who is producing my cannabis, even if illegally. 
You know, yeah. you know the, the, the story I was I was sharing earlier about this guy who got caught going to buy his brick weed down in Argentina, you know, breaking the 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 quarantine. He was gonna he was going to buy brick weed, which comes from a neighboring country, uh, and you know, in, in, in huge blocks. And what they do is have dogs piss on the blocks so that the customs dogs don't smell them. Oh, God. God. And then you have to buy 25 grams minimum, right? You go to a home grower. This guy spent every day taking perfect care of this little babies and came out with a great product that, you know, you know, chances are it's safer. Yeah. I'm not advocating for, for you know, illicit production, but faced with the, faced with the options, like there's a, there's a lesser evil and, and, I don't know. It, it just feels wrong to, to, to tell people in America, we're going to make billions off this, but you cannot do it yourself right. at home. Not, not saying to sell because, you know, when you're selling stuff, yeah, you're responsible for other. Oh, that's a different, that's a different beast. I mean, but when you're growing it for your own use, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Especially when you start adding in the fact of, you know, there's not dispensaries open in every town in America, like a McDonald's. Some, nobody wants to travel, you know, 50 miles to get to the closest dispensary to get their medicine. Give them the option. I mean, and every, every reasonable country that has either legalized or depenalized cannabis in some form, um, and allows for, for, self-cultivation has set a limit to the number of plants to ensure that it's for personal consumption. You know, in, in Colombia, it's like 19 in Uruguay, it's seven in, in, in the Netherlands in some jurisdictions it's like four or five, right? You get, so it's, it's not like you tell people you can, you can rent two apartments and co- call it a home grow, just filling them with weed. Yeah. You're not circumventing yeah. the rules. You're not, you're but, not, but <laughs> It's common sense, you know, the, the least common sense is to be fair, but it's common sense. Can we talk about the, the market for a second? Um, yes, I'm done guy, with my, my rant. Yeah, no, this is great. And this kind of go, but, it, but it kind of goes hand in glove because um, I get these questions from um, not from clients or reporters, but from like family members and friends like, oh, you know, the cannabis industry is doing so great. You guys must be like drowning in money and you must be, you know, and uh, and and the and the stock market is doing well today. I think the last time I checked um, and the, the pot stocks are, are, are doing pretty OK right now. Um, what do you see in this market? Exactly what you're saying. I mean. It's uncomfortable to say it, but cannabis businesses are thriving in this environment, mostly because people who need to medicate with cannabis cannot afford to stop medicating and they will stop consuming other things before their medicine or their medication. And those who are considered adult or recreational users, you know, this is a time where you really need weed, either because you're anxious or because you're bored. It doesn't matter. But, you know, the fact remains that there's it, it definitely an increased demand and that has been shown by by numbers out of dispensaries and delivery services and, and, and quarterly reports from public companies stocks are doing well you know are, are doing fine as well i think uh and it's only fair <laughs> you know for the first time since i like forever they, they they're reflecting some kind of like fundamental right. in this case revenue but it you know it's 
it's almost like logical. It, for the first time, it responds to a, a, a normal quote unquote mar- market logic, right? Where it's like, if you sell more, you're right. more valuable of a company. Right. And then you work on your margins and then you work on efficiencies and synergies. <laughs> because it doesn't seem as much of a long-term bet anymore to see your return. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I think people are, I think also having it in the U.S. labeled as an essential um, was huge and is huge. Um I mean, I think that, you know, that was a big topic two months ago, which seems like two years ago. But um, uh, what are you hearing from your sources on, you know, do you think this is going to push, you know, let's God willing, uh, a Biden administration to to, you know, take some more decisive action, you know, next year? It's hard to tell. I mean, it's one of these things where people. At first, they, they heard essential and just assumed it was kind of a green light. And, and people were expecting cannabis to be included in like federal stimulus packages. Like, dude, it's, it's still federally illegal. It shouldn't, but it is. And, you know, politicians responded with emergency measures, I think, right? It, it does not necessarily reflect political will just an emergency response, right? It's, it's like, it's like, you know, carrying a gun when, when you live in an unsafe neighborhood or something. I don't know. It's, it's one of these things where it's like, I don't know if it probably reflects what, 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 you know, the political establishment is thinking about cannabis more like, you know, this is not the time to make drastic decisions, like leave people without cannabis. Yeah, I'm wondering, have you heard, uh, you know, from any of your sources or maybe from the public companies that you've been speaking with, are any of them looking to, you know, kind of expand beyond the, the more well-known markets out there and start maybe looking at states in the, in the South or the Midwest that could be opening up uh, medical or recreational this, this fall? In, yeah, I mean, we had a, a big move in Louisiana last week that was interesting for the Deep South for sure. Um, and it really varies from company to company, right? Like two days ago, I was speaking with a KCSA client, uh, Marimed, and they said like, we focus in six states, period. Like we're hyper-focused and it's a business strategy. There's others who want to cast a white net. That's also a business strategy. I mean, there's, there's you know, demand for McDonald's, uh, something like the Cheesecake Factory and local restaurants. And, you know, they coexist because they, you know, supply different segments of the, of the population. So there's no like one answer I've heard from companies, uh, but certainly there are companies looking to expand um, post COVID because they're understanding that, that people need cannabis and, and it being deemed essential might not have generated a massive change on the policy side or politics side, but it certainly has impacted people's views. And you can tell that by, as you say, speaking to anyone in your family who is not very, you know, well-versed or, you know, in, in cannabis topics, but suddenly they hear essential and they go like, huh, I guess it's essential now. Same as when we started rebranding marijuana as cannabis and people went like, huh, mm-hmm. it's now it's medicine. That, that was like, my parents are both over 70. And when I started working in cannabis, like six years ago, they were like, this is weird. Like, are you going to jeopardize your career writing about hedge funds for this? Like, well, but it's medicine now and and it's called cannabis. It's no longer pot. And they go like, ah, 
I see. <laughs> so I feel it's, it's, it's a, it's an, you know, analogous situation in some ways. And, yeah, it's and, very, and that, you know, suddenly people are seeing like, Oh, essential, 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 essential. It's like, huh. Yeah. It's very interesting watching that kind of, you know, vernacular change amongst people that, you know, maybe don't smoke or didn't, didn't consume. Like you were just saying, it, it's, I try it's, to, to read, um, news in, in, in Spanish or Portuguese, Italian and French every day, you know, just to get a, a better sense of what's going on around the world. And it was very interesting to see how every, you know, big media outlet from every country around the world reported on cannabis being deemed essential. Um, because it was quite the feat. It was, you know, of course it was a clicky title as well, but you know, the day that happened, I remember going to Google news and seeing like, uh, you know, the, the one article and then you get like the, this little, you know, link that says see 45 similar stories and, <laughs> and I clicked on it and like every, uh, media outlet was reporting on how curious it was that America was deeming cannabis essential, right? It's a novelty almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it resonated with the world and it's, uh, and it's caught on. I don't know if it started in, in, in the US or it started in Spain or where it started. I, I heard in Canada, I heard in Uruguay. But here's, here's the thing, like suddenly it's a thing. It's a hashtag, cannabis essential, essential cannabis. It's, it's a thing, you know, um, and it does provide us with some kind of, of rhetorical uh, tool to make a case in the future. Like, we know it's essential. <laughs> well, and I think what was so interesting about it is that it felt really organic. It didn't feel, um, it, it, you know, it, yeah, like, it, I don't know the first state that said it, but like, I feel like it was a, a group decision without the group getting together and deciding. Um, you know, and maybe they did. And I, I'm just unaware of that. But I think the fact that it was so organic, and it was so quick, um, was something that that is also really interesting. I mean, like the the folks like Chris Crane, who's who they, they've been in the, you know, advocacy side for 20 years. I don't know that he's seen anything happen that quickly, um, you know, all together. You know, it, it, it was in fact very organic. And, and it's, it's interesting you mention it because coming to think about it, it was the first time ever that a cannabis news item popped up and I got more messages from my friends and family and, and random people that I got pictures. <laughs> Yeah. And I got a bunch of pitches like, hey, cannabis has deep, been deemed essential. But so <laughs> many people just reached out, as you say, because it happened organically. And they were like, yo, what, what's this about? Yeah. Like, what do you know about it? Do tell. Like, I, 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 over the, the, the first two weeks of cannabis being deemed essential in, in the U.S., I went on like a long list of like live broadcasts and IG lives and Facebook lives and and then podcasts and everything, you know, in, in Latin America explaining what it meant for it, you know, that the cannabis was essential. And, and it was mostly because people were surprised. Yeah. It was yeah. An unexpected. Well, we were too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of these unexpected bizarre moments of, of enlightenment, of political enlightenment, like 
you know what? This makes sense. Well, and maybe I'm diminishing the all of the hard work that went in for the last, you know, 60 years or, or whatever that, you know, all of that hard work chipping away and changing the public perception. I maybe I am. I am way too glib about it because there is a lot of people who are sitting in jail. There are a lot of people who have gone to jail. There are a lot of people who have died. And, you know, I, I, I kind of now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, ugh, like this overnight success took took decades um, and took people's lives. So, you know, I kind of don't want to, I just want to make sure that 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 point gets across too. Oh yeah, there, there's an idiom uh, in, in some states. I don't know if it's like an American thing or what I heard it from rap, but it's like, they say it takes 10 years to become a new, a new right. overnight success. Right, right. And the Grammys do that too. Like best new artist was like Brandy Carlisle a couple of years ago. I'm like, I've been listening to Brandy Carlisle for 15 years, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Eilish. It's like right. her first song was like she was fourteen. She's eighteen now. You know, <laughs> she she can drink legally in most yeah. of the world. So it's like she 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 ain't new no more. Yeah. <laughs> She's great, by the way. I'm not saying she shouldn't have gotten that. Oh, don't out uh, don't add us about Billie Eilish. Yes, we love her. She's great. <laughs> the new the new the the new artist maybe like Lizzo. You know. Being, I mean, uh, yeah, a better argument there, I guess. Um, but yeah, she'd been. On I mean, she's really new. Time. Plus, yeah. like, she has a powerful message in every possible aspect of her music. Yeah, uh, I love Lizzo. <laughs> Javier, you, we were going back to you know we're talking about cannabis as a medicine. One of the things that you know we we also work with a lot of psychedelics clients, and one of the things that we've been hearing from them that they want to be pushing out there is that, you know, psychedelics, especially like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA have shown a lot of promise when it comes to actually treating and helping people with mental health, health issues. Um, I know Benzinga has really started to cover that yeah. space. And so I'm wondering what, what have you been hearing on that front? I mean, first off, shout out to Lewis Goldberg. Um, woo, woo. He was uh, probably the one who really got me onto the, the, topic. I was hearing a lot about it before and I was like, ah, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't see my mom like microdosing shrooms, you know, like, <laughs> come on, it's not going to be the next cannabis. And, and one day we go, we go to lunch with, um, Ronan Levi or Levy. I don't know. Oh yeah. Name. Ronan. Yep. Uh, from field trip, uh, psychedelics. And he is wearing a suit and he looks perfectly groomed and sane and, you know, like enunciates his words and, and he goes, psychedelics are the next big thing. I'm like, you're tripping, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Get off acid already. And, and it took me a few months to, to really come around to, to, to that. And he was right. He was right. And this is very interesting. Uh, I actually wrote this specific story about Ronan for Forbes. That was my first a story for my psychedelics column in Forbes. Uh, I've since done a lot more stuff, which is also very telling, you know, seeing my editor, my, my articles under an editor's <laughs> picks section on the front page of Forbes. Yeah. Last week, oh. I pitched it to Forbes Argentina and, and wrote a full feature on, on psychedelics because, and, and, and the, the thing that made them buy was like, so did you know this and this and that? And there's public companies and they were like, eh, whatever. And they go like, what about Peter Thiel? So Peter <laughs> Thiel is invested in Atal Life Sciences. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the editor was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a story. So again, I told, I started with a whole Ronin story and went over what, like all the big 
you know, milestones from last, last six months, which are crazy. Everything from Bruce Linton joining a, a cannabis company to like Kevin O'Leary, a conservative guy joining a cannabis company to, to several going public, you know, to clinical trials and, 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 and universities starting like there, there's like specific research units at the same time something that a lot of people don't know, psychedelics have been a part of, of a normal part of, of, of the pharmacopoeia of, of, of what physicians know or consider to be medicine for years, right? It's not like ketamine is a new thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Lewis in that conversation told you to read uh, How to Change Your Mind by Mike Pollan. So if anybody hasn't read that book and wants to know more about uh, psychedelics as a medicine, read that book because it will yeah. will blow your mind just how amazing these there's a fascinating fascinating podcast episode that michael poland does with uh jason silva from brain games mm-hmm. um who is now an advisor to a, a cannabis company too um which is also definitely worth a, a listen it's like 90 minutes or something it's long it's like rogan style <laughs> <laughs> but very interesting as well well, so you've been instrumental in, in building up Benzinga's cannabis coverage to where you guys are like one of the go-to spots for anybody that wants to invest or learn about the industry. Do you guys have any plans to build out your psychedelics coverage in a similar way? Yeah. I mean, we, we do have like, uh, you know, a very recurring psychedelics um, coverage. If you go to benzinga.com slash topic slash psychedelics, you'll see uh, a lot of, of stories, like everything that's related to markets, of course, and then clinical trials and studies and partnerships. Um, Nathan Ponyaman, who is a fantastic writer from our cannabis team, has been uh, focused on psychedelics for a while and, and really almost going on in, all in on that. Um, he also, of course, takes care of the psychedelics coverage we do in Spanish at El Planteo. Um, and, and he actually publishes a bi-monthly uh, recap called Sight. It's kind of my, my recap for the week in cannabis every two weeks for everything that happened in, in the psychedelic space. Everything from a $40 million raise to a university in Switzerland studying psychedelics to a Netflix documentary, right? Like, um, are we going to see a a Benzinga psychedelics capital conference? Is is that very likely? Ooh. Okay. Teasing it. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's not like Lewis hasn't, hasn't brought out the idea. (laughs) You guys should do a psychedelics company. Oh my God. He is like a dog with a bone. We love him. (laughs) Um, well, you mentioned um, El Planteo twice now, I think, two or three times. And I, can you just talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, I want our audience to really understand what it is, what your mission is, where they can find you. So um, a few months ago, um, the CEO at Benzinga and the chief revenue officer at Benzinga, so Jason and Luke, came to me and said, we need to launch in Spanish. Um, I explained the, the dynamics of markets in Latin America. Uh, and we're not particularly, you know, America friendly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I had this brand I had developed with a friend uh, called El Planteo, functioning websites, and I told them, like, fund it. <laughs> and so they did. 
Awesome. <laughs> because, you know, that's a good boss. You know, you, you, you Jason's do, a like, great six, boss. We love six him. Six years, I've, I've, you know, left my heart and soul for, for the company and really helped build something that we all love and, and want to continue to do it and would, wouldn't want to leave my my job to start something I, I think is necessary as well. So this was a, an incredibly fortunate turn of events. Uh, we focus on cannabis, hemp, psychedelics, um, you know, feminism, all, all things green, we say, which is pretty, you know, convenient that feminism is, is identified with a green color down in Latin America. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's a long story um, uh, for some other time. But, you know, we, we focus on all these like, progressive themes right so if you go to the cover now it's like an interview with the the chef uh from cook with cannabis an interview with kari hart uh you know this famous motocross guy married yeah. with pink some news about a free and aurora some news about cannabis in colombia and then something about like sustainable menstruation you know how can we take care of the environment and another one on how to uh use uh, cannabis during your uh, menstruation to ease some of the symptoms. You then can there's say period. We're good. A, a oh, I sorry. I, yeah, I couldn't remember. The name. <laughs> okay. I, I, period is something you, you you only have in English. Like we don't call it periodo oh, down here. So it's well, yeah, it is a real. It is a really weird way. I think it was done because it was like a period of time in a month. So. Yeah. No, yeah, it, might, it makes sense, but it also like kind of glamorizes it. Yeah. <laughs> Menstruation <laughs> sounds so much more fun. Than yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's tough, you know. That's the whole point. You're One of the main me. points behind the activism and advocacy for menstrual awareness is, you know, not making it just pretty. You know, you you see all these commercials where it's like blue liquid, and you know this. This, this woman just like going jogging and it's like, you know, get over your menstrual cramps and be fine. It's like, yeah, a lot of people are not fine during, you know, those days. So, yeah. you know, glamorizing it, it does not help really. A lot of people, you know, are not helped or don't feel helped by it. So that's, I, I don't know, like some of the, the topics we touch on then there's like, uh, an article on on LSD because down here today it's like bicycle day. So we thought like, okay, bicycle day. <laughs> so you know it's it's an interesting mixture, right? If you go down a little bit further, we have like a gender section where like Lara Parker talks about endometriosis and cannabis. Um, we 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 discuss Trump and his response to to. Um, the current events. Yeah. <laughs> mostly cannabis. So it's mostly cannabis. You'll see like 70% cannabis, but we, we try to remain, you know, observant and vigilant and, and, and attentive to the things that are going on around the world that, that mainstream media is not covering. So if you go to the landing page, especially on your desktop, you'll see it looks a lot like a, a financial media website. It's got like a ticker, you know, a tape and, and high profile interviews and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's also a platform to, to really touch on other topics and, 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 and ways where I was speaking with John Sally last week and, and his partner was saying something like he's all about health, wellness, and wealth. And I was like, oh, health and wealthness. And I think that's kind of it, right? You know, you, you can, you can live a, a, 
conscientious life where you're committed to causes and still say invest in the stock market, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not evil on itself. It's not like, you know, you, we live in a capitalistic system, right? So maybe come to terms with it, but be conscientious about it. You know, if, 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 if you're gonna invest in the stock market, maybe support companies doing good. Yeah. And to be clear, that in itself does not make you a hero. A lot of, of investors want to want to call themselves like impact investors because they support good companies. It's like, yeah, you're making money in the process too. It's just like, you know, slightly conscientious capitalism, which is enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. considering the options. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not evil to to participate in society, <laughs> and it makes it digestible. And it, I think that's that's a key element, right? You know, making certain topics that are hard to digest a little bit more digestible. How well, do you introduce the discussion about psychedelics? And for for America, the discussion about psychedelics was finally introduced into the mainstream when the millions came, right? Because mm-hmm. similarly, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, for cannabis, cannabis too, yeah. You know, we're telling we're telling the story about Charlotte a million times, and people are like, "Yeah, this is a little bit tough." You know, I, I don't know if you've seen like We the People or one of those documentaries. Oh, yep. they're a tough pill to swallow. You know, they're not like fun. <laughs> right, right, and we, you know, as Americans, follow the money, um, and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, there are so many things that go underfunded and, you know, just because it's not, it's not sexy. And, but I think what's really interesting about what you're doing, um, uh, at El Planeto, which is elplaneto.com, um, is that it is all so interconnected. So, you know, the cannabis and health and wellness and the environment and women's issues, like, you know, we need to be getting all of these things more right <laughs> than we are now. So I think it's really interesting. So you say like El Planteo. So El Planteo, of course, is a, is a is wordplay with plants. But Planteo in Spanish means something that something that needs to be discussed thoroughly. Presenting your arguments. That what that's what Planteo means. Which I'm. And by the way, I'm surprised the dot com domain was available. Uh, yeah, I guess it's I all am the too. social media <laughs> handles. And I was like, what? Okay, <laughs> guess this is it. It was meant to be. Yeah, you just had a great idea. But you know, it's it's. As you say, and it's one of these things, it's like, you know, they tie in together. Mm-hmm. At least they have this common, th- these two common elements. They're green, meaning they're good for the world. <laughs> and and they're, um, they're, they need to be discussed because they're not being discussed enough and especially not from the right perspective or angle. You know, when we talk about cannabis and we see the media, like mainstream media constantly making puns and jokes and trivializing what to many is a life and death discussion. Right. Which to many is a poverty versus wealth discussion, which to many is a racial injustice discussion, a gender, you know, equal pay discussion, because all these discussions are definitely being held within the industry. And, 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 Marijuana, let's call it, is it, it is an issue that pierces all of these topics deeply. Amen. Well, okay. So you have been awesome with your time. Um, I want to ask you one more question. Let's say um, the editor of um, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal says, um, 
I want you to write a feature and I, I want it to appear in next week's, uh, uh, you know, a head above the fold, um, whatever topic you want. What's that story that you write? Right now, I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't know if it would be cannabis. Probably. That's fine. That's fine. Current events. It's just. How about give us one, one with cannabis and then one within current yeah. events. I mean, for the current events, it's just for the first time in, 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 since I can remember, a lot of people in America are realizing things are screwed up. And it's something that the world has been saying for a while. Like, you know, it's in, in, in many places, you know, it, it's something that, that we call you out on, you know. Uh, the inconsistencies and, and how it's the land of the free and the home of the brave and the land of opportunity, but only for some. Some people. And under right. some conditions. Um, so that's definitely a topic that, that I would love to discuss. I don't know how, because I, I don't like to be the foreigner coming, at, coming in and saying like, oh, all of this sucks. Because, you know, eh, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot I don't know and a lot I don't understand or realize. Um, and and everything, you know, every social and political issue is a lot more complex than it seems at, at first glance. Um, so then would you want to tell that social and political story within the cannabis space as well? Like if if, if that was something that you, you feel is undercovered as well? It's surprisingly more covered than one would expect and that people want to lead us to believe there's certainly a lack still um but we do talk about this we do talk about social equity maybe not effectively maybe we don't act on it as much as we should but we can't deny the fact that we are talking same as we cannot deny the fact that we're advancing with legalization maybe not at the pace we'd like or whatever but it's moving fast same here so that's another, for instance, very interesting story to tell, right? Like the evolution of, of the legalization movement and how fast it is moving forward compared to any other historical, you know, a, a political movement in history um, in the last few years, right? The, the, the way the legalization movement per se has unfolded. And I don't, and I don't, I don't by, by this time, I'm not implying that there, there weren't decades of activism uh, before that, but suddenly, like things started to move real quickly. Um, so it really depends. I mean, on 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 the day and 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 what I'm feeling. I do do think there is a few stories that America should hear about cannabis. Of course, the the, the money stories are always one you know stories that move the needle for some reason, right? Money talks, they say, and and so the billions of, of, of dollars being invested into, into the industry in the United States and abroad, revitalizing communities and, and, and stagnated towns, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of jobs created. Uh, there are many stories to tell there. I think that, that I, I, I'm always troubled when they say like, what's the one story? And it's like, I don't know, everything is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair point. We always ask it, but fair point. <laughs> Javier, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Um, we 
we love working with you. Um, and you know, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I kind of want you to come back in the next couple of months. Um, and let, like, let's talk more. I really enjoyed, um, our conversation today. Definitely. Would love to, we can, uh, discuss more trivial topics next time (laughs) (laughs) under different circumstances. The world's not on fire. Hopefully the next time we chat, um, I'm really glad we got to talk about something other than cannabis for a change, because this is a thing I really care about. But, you know, honestly, I, I, I was recently, for instance, asked, like, what's your number one priority socially? And honestly, to me, living where I live, it was like women's rights. Women are like being killed en masse, like by men, to be clear, right? Mm-hmm. And I personally care a little bit more about that. Uh, not, and, and I hear a lot about cannabis legalization. It's the one thing I dedicate my every day, every day, all day, right? But I'm happy that we get to discuss other topics when, when you know, the situation calls for it. So thank you for the platform. Yeah. And, and before we let you go, um, we've obviously brought up that, um, our listeners can find your stuff on Benzinga, El Planteo, Fords and stuff like that. Any, anywhere else you want to shout out, um, before we let you go. Just check us out. What, what you said? Um, and I'm Javier Hasse on all social media channels. Um, so that's it. Our thanks to Javier Hase, the managing director of cannabis coverage at Benzinga and the founder of El Planteo. Check out his coverage in the cannabis space on both sites. We will be sure to include links um, in our show notes there. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, we know these are these are tough times and spending some time with us. Um, we hope we hope you find value there um, and we appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. Feel free to drop us an email, greenrush at KCSA. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay. One take. <laughs>